0: The Peter Schiff Show. Well, according to Goldman Sachs, the odds of a Fed rate hike coming up at the March meeting, which is less than two weeks away, is now 95%. It was 90% before she spoke. That was looking at the Fed Fund futures. In fact, the probability of of a rate hike had been rising all week based on a number of Fed officials who were giving speeches, everyone indicating that a rate hike was coming soon. Nobody actually said how soon, but they kept talking about why raising interest rates would be appropriate, why they didn't want it to wait too long. But of course, they always reiterate that they want to proceed slowly. And, of course, that they are data dependent, meaning that in order to deliver these rate hikes that they claim would be appropriate if slowly applied over some abstract period of time, the economy has to evolve according to their expectations, which probably is not going to happen. But nonetheless, when Janet Yellen spoke, this was the last opportunity that a Fed official had to kind of dial back those expectations, because if Yellen didn't like the fact that the markets were 90% sure that a hike was coming in a couple of weeks, she had the opportunity to kind of dial that back in, in her rhetoric, and she did not. She allowed the markets to continue to price in a rate hike in the March meeting, and that is why now the odds went from 90% to 95 which is virtually a lock, which means that barring any huge drop in the stock market between now and the March meeting, that hike's probably going to come, right? Because I think the reason that the Fed feels confident to raise rates is because the Dow's at 21,000. That's why, just like it felt confident to raise interest rates the first time in December of 2015, because the markets were giving a false signal that the rate hike was okay, but then, of course, after the rates were hiked, the market thought about it again, and then it dumped. Right? And then we had the worst January in the history of Januaries, and the Fed waited until December of that year, a full year after the initial hike, to raise rates again, despite the fact that they were signaling that we would get uh, four rate hikes during the year. We, we got one. But now the market seems to be saying, hey, all clear, and maybe the Fed will take their bait. Because if the Fed does raise rates, and then the market rethinks this, Uh, then it's going to tank. And of course, it's going to put the Fed right back in the same predicament that it was in. But as of now, the stock market is unafraid of the rate hike. Now, the same cannot be said of the gold market, right? We have had a reaction all week in the gold market and the gold stocks to the rising expectations of a, a Fed rate hike. But remember, now that the probability is 95%, Whatever the market believes would happen in reaction to a rate hike, whatever those beliefs are, are already factored in. At least 95% of it is factored in. So there's really not much left of the move. So if you thought a rate hike was bearish for gold, well, if there's a 95% probability that the market now accepts, well, that's already priced into gold. And if you remember in my last podcast, I pointed out the divergence that I was seeing between the gold stocks and physical gold, that even though gold was rising, gold stocks were falling. And I mentioned that in the past, that had been a pretty reliable indicator that a correction was coming in the metal. And in fact, that's what happened because in a couple of days since I did that podcast, and of course I did my other podcast on the State of the Union address where I really didn't address the gold market. So it's the podcast before that one that I talked about this divergence, not the uh, State of the Union podcast. But what happened was the gold price continued to rise for another couple of days. And during that time, gold stocks continued to fall. They did not turn around. And then finally, we got a meaningful pullback or not meaningful. We got about a $40 drop in the price of gold from its absolute peak earlier in the week till its trough this morning, a $40 move, which was about a 3%, just over a 3% drop in the price of gold which is a very very small drop in the scheme of things but here's what's interesting about today even though gold was down about 10 bucks a little more at the lows gold stocks were not weak today gold stocks spent most of the day in the green i mean they were fluctuating between the red and the green but even when gold was down 10 11 bucks gold stocks were down just a little bit and some were positive and by the end of the day Gold managed to close up by about, I don't know, $0.70 or so, just a marginal close. But the GDX was up about 1%. The GDXJ was up about 2.5%. And more importantly, gold stocks all went positive long before the price of gold itself went positive. So the gold stocks gave the sell signal because they didn't confirm the strength we were seeing in gold we didn't have strength in the gold stocks. And so we ended up getting the correction. But now you have the reverse where gold stocks did not confirm gold weakness. When gold made that new low today, when gold was selling off, you got some buying in the gold stocks. And so it's possible that this was the end of the correction that I said would likely follow if this indicator uh, was right again. But I also said that I didn't expect the correction in gold to be very deep. And in fact, if it is over now, if we saw the lows in gold this morning, gold only dropped, again, about 40 bucks, which is a little over 3%, not a very big move in the price of gold. Now, this wasn't that strong a day. I mean, I don't know how much conviction I have that today was the low. Maybe we're going to get some more work here. Maybe we could go a little lower on Monday. There's nothing that's a certainty. But to me, it does look suspicious that we may have put in the bottom. And if you want to look at how much the gold stocks have already dropped on this 3% drop in the price of gold, the GDX, which is an index of senior gold producers, that one fell 16% from peak to trough. The junior gold stocks, right? this is uh, the GDXJ, that one dropped 22%. 22% decline in junior gold mining stocks, on a 3% decline in the price of gold. I mean, basically, that's an entire bear market, right? Wall Street typically defines a bear market as a 20% move down. Well, we've had an entire bear market in junior gold stocks based on a 3% decline in the price of gold. I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, if this is the bottom of the correction, what it really shows me is this bull market is climbing the mother of all Walls of worry that you have so much fear of this market that just the anticipation of a correction sent caused people to dump their junior gold mining stocks. I mean, that literally dumped them. The buyers disappeared and it was like a wave of selling to go down 22% on such a small move. That would be a very healthy sign, in my opinion, about this market, because you want that skepticism. You want that wall of worry. You want people to be nervous, right? You don't want people to just throw caution to the wind and think everything is great. That's more indicative of the top of a bull market. This looks like the early stages of a bull market where the participants are still very nervous. They got one foot out the door. And a lot of the people that had one foot out the door jumped out the window, both feet. Uh, when they saw the market start to come down on, on this correction. So we'll have to see how this plays out next week. Now, the dollar also, the dollar did not rise significantly, even though the probability of a rate hike uh, increased significantly this uh, this week. In fact, the dollar index on the week was only up about 30 basis points, you know, one third of 1%. And it was down 80 basis points today. It closed the week on a very, very weak note. So even though we got the, you know, the, the, the rate hike early, because now that the probability is so high, it's basically baked in the cake, there was a minimal rise in the value of the dollar. But again, the idea that a rate hike is bullish for the dollar is wrong. A rate hike is not bullish for the dollar, nor is a rate hike bearish for gold. These rate hikes are tiny. They are too little, too late. If the Fed fulfills its promise to go slowly, then this is bullish for gold because inflation is rising faster than the Fed is increasing rates. So even as nominal rates are going up, real rates are in fact coming down and rising inflation and falling real interest rates are bearish for the dollar and they are bullish for gold. Where higher rates are actually negative is for the stock market. Yet the stock market is shrugging this off because higher interest rates discount the value, the future value of your earning stream. So higher interest rates are bad for stocks. Also, higher interest rates are competition for stocks because as bonds yield more, that's a competition for stocks. So any way you slice it. Higher interest rates are bearish for stocks, especially when you have a stock market that's as expensive as this one. you got a stock market at like 22 times earnings and you have interest rates that are rising. This is very negative. Yet stock traders, they've flown caution to the wind. You know, we had that 12 consecutive up days. Then we had a tiny down day. Then we had a 300 point up day because Donald Trump sounded presidential. Which is the last thing that you want him to do if you were betting on change, if you thought that he was actually going to be a game changer and and drain the swamp and do something to make America great again. The fact that everybody thought that he's presidential now means it's business as usual, which was the point of my last podcast. But we had that 300 point rise in the Dow uh, following the speech. Uh, And then we had maybe a 100 point decline uh, yesterday. And then, look, we were up again today slightly. And uh, and so the stock market doesn't care if the Fed raises interest rates, even though that's the one market that should care. But the reason these stock traders are so, you know, cavalier about the prospects of a rate hike is because they think the tax cuts will trump it. Right. They all think that there's going to be a stimulus out there that is going to create all this economic growth that is going to offset the negative effects of higher interest rates. Here's the big irony. As the Federal Reserve was talking so-called hawkish, and as everybody kept notching up the probability of a rate hike, the uh, outlook for first quarter GDP was collapsing, collapsing. According to the Atlanta Fed GDP Now, they now believe that GDP for the first quarter of this year is going to be 1.8 percent, 1.8 percent. And there are private forecasts. I looked at the Bank of America forecast for Q1. That's all the way down to 1.3, 1.3. When the year began in January, the Atlanta Fed was at 3.4, 3.4 for the first quarter. And earlier in the week, when the week began, they were still at two and a half. They're at 1.8. So the Fed is talking about how they got to raise rates, that the economy is, is improving, yet... Expectations for GDP growth in the first quarter have collapsed. Yet the markets are not looking at this because one of the reasons that the markets are going up is because Trump's uh, economic reforms were supposed to create all this economic growth, which would raise corporate profits, hence higher stock prices. Well, obviously, none of that growth is going to be here in Q1. Now, maybe they think it's going to magically appear uh, in Q2, but there's no indication that that's going to happen. In fact, if you look, at how quickly everybody is backtracking, nothing is going to happen. I mean, first of all, they can't even repeal Obamacare. I've said that before. They, they the, the Republicans are too afraid to take away a newly found government benefit, just like Ronald Reagan couldn't even take away the Department of Energy, even though it was started by his predecessor, Jimmy Carter. He campaigned about getting rid of it, and it's still here. Meanwhile, Republicans twice ran presidential campaigns about repealing Obamacare, right? That's exactly what Romney said. I'm going to repeal it, every word of it. And then Trump campaigned about repealing it. Well, now Republicans have both houses of Congress. We have the White House and they're not going to repeal it. I mean, all they talk about is putting some kind of conservative bow on Obamacare, which I mean, to me, it's like saying I'm going to I'm going to put a ribbon on a sack of shit. I mean, it's still going to stink. There is no way, once you, you, there is no conservative bow on Obamacare, right? Because once you have Obamacare, that's socialism. It doesn't matter how you try to disguise it with wrapping paper, it's socialism. But they're afraid these guys don't want to do that, so we're not going to get the relief uh, that people thought when it comes to Obamacare. We're probably not going to get a lot of other government reduced regulation that people were anticipating as part of this stock market rally. And what about reduction in government spending, which is what, you know, I believe, you know, Trump did talk about maybe, hey, I'm going to save money, I'm going to negotiate tough. No, he submitted a budget. Government spending is going to increase under Trump beyond what we were spending under Obama. Yes, there's some minor cuts just to pay for even bigger increases in spending in other parts of the budget. And we haven't even seen the details of this infrastructure bill. So that is not good for the economy. It just runs up the deficit, creates inflation. But what about the tax relief, right? Oh, yeah, we're going to get lower taxes. We're going to have major tax reform. Well, you can forget about major tax reform. I don't see that happening either. What I see potentially happening is some tax cuts that where President Trump compromises with the Democrats, because there's going to be a wing of the Republican Party and of, you know, both in the House and the Senate that is going to be against blowing a hole in the deficit. But there's a lot of Democrats that couldn't care less about the deficit. And so how does Trump get an agreement between the left wing of the Republican Party and the right wing of the Democratic Party? Right? All he has to do is come up with a plan that cuts taxes so the Republicans will like it and increases government spending So the Democrats will like it. And now you have a coalition and now Donald Trump can claim victory. Hey, I came to Washington. I got everybody to work together like a businessman. Right. I got them all around the table. The art of the deal. We've got a deal. The last thing we want is a deal. You know, that's what Ronald Reagan regretted. He regretted making deals with Tip O'Neill. He regretted these deals that ended up with bigger government. Well, Donald Trump is going to make a deal. And it's going to make the deficit bigger. It's not going to grow the economy. It's going to cause more inflation. It's going to ultimately weaken the dollar. And all of the economic problems that Trump promised to solve are going to get worse. Right? We are not changing the game at all. It is the same old, same old. But the market is acting as if everything is going to be great. So there is the potential that this market can turn around very sharply. Of course, if it does, if we see any major move down in the stock market, What's going to happen? Well, the Fed's going to take all these future rate hikes off the table. And if that's not enough, they're going to talk about QE4. And ultimately, they're going to deliver QE4. Because when this market starts to fall, it's falling big time. Now, I got to conclude this podcast by risking a lot of thumbs down by talking about Bitcoin. Because while gold was having a rough week, and while gold stocks were having an even rougher week, Bitcoin was shining bright. Bitcoin probably had more media attention this week than any week in, in memory. I mean, probably since, uh, I don't know, the year. For the first time ever, the price of Bitcoin exceeded the price of an ounce of gold, right? The high that I saw earlier today was 1298 While I am recording this, we're at 1275 And the price of gold while I'm recording this is 1235 So you've got a $30 premium for one bitcoin to one ounce of gold and of course this is getting a lot of headlines oh finally the price of bitcoin is higher than the price of gold this proves that bitcoin is better than gold that it is the new gold and you need to buy bitcoin because you know not only is it a hedge like gold but it's better than gold right because uh you know it's easier to use and you know there are a lot of stories written about it And, you know, one of the stories, a couple of them actually quoted me because of that recent um, debate I had on CNBC. And, you know, of course, my opponent in that debate, you know, was belittling gold. He goes, well, what's gold? Gold's just a rock. I mean, gold is just a rock? Just a rock? If it was just a rock, it wouldn't be this valuable. Gold has unique properties that your average rock that you just find on the beach doesn't have, right? But you got to have rocks in your head to think gold is just another rock, but again, you have to have rocks in your head to have confidence in bitcoin and I guess this guy uh, had that. But my name came up in a lot of these these articles and these comparisons. First of all, why even compare the price of one bitcoin to the price of an ounce of gold. I mean, there's no reason to look at those two things because they have nothing to do with one another. First of all, it's not an ounce of Bitcoin, right? It's one Bitcoin to an ounce of gold. Well, why is it one? Why not two? Why not three? Why not 10? I mean, one Bitcoin has nothing to do with one ounce of gold, right? And of course, if you have 10 ounces of gold, you have 10 times as much gold as the guy that only has one ounce. Well, if somebody has 10 Bitcoins, they don't have 10 times anything because Bitcoin itself has no substance. It it just exists in cyberspace. So gold actually has a physical weight. So there is a reason to reference it in ounces because you're trying to weigh it. How much do you have? But one Bitcoin, two Bitcoin, 10 Bitcoin, a half a Bitcoin. There's no way to relate that to a physical weight because Bitcoin doesn't exist in a physical world. But people like to do that because most people quote the price of gold in ounces and they quote the price of Bitcoin as one coin and so therefore that's why they're making this comparison but now the fact that for the first time uh, the price of one bitcoin exceeds the price of an ounce of gold has caused the media uh, to follow it now if you remember the last time the price of bitcoin almost got as high as the price of gold and that was you know in the 1100 somewhere the price of bitcoin proceeded to plunge down below 200 right now it's since recovered right now it's this time it's actually above the price of gold, but who the hell knows how low it's going to go next time it crashes. It may not stop uh, in the high 100s. It may, it may go a lot closer to zero. So there is a lot of downside risk in Bitcoin. Now, why is there so much excitement about it right now? I mean, some people think, well, maybe people are buying it as a safe haven. Look, if you're buying Bitcoin as a safe haven, you're a complete idiot. I mean, you may be willing to buy Bitcoin as a speculative asset that you think is going to go up, but a safe haven is something that you buy because you want to play it safe, you're just looking to preserve your purchasing power, you're not really sure what you want to do, so you want to park your money someplace. No one's going to, You don't park your money in Bitcoin because you want to play it safe, right? You're, you are speculating and you do understand that even if you believe it's going to go way up, that it could go down first, right? So I don't think you have a lot of people who are that dumb who think it's safe, right? I think they're buying it more as a speculation, And one of the reasons that people could be speculating on it is the idea that soon we're going to have a Bitcoin ETF. And what a Bitcoin ETF would do in theory would be create demand for Bitcoin. Because now, supposedly, if people start buying Bitcoin ETFs, um, then the ETFs are going to have to buy Bitcoin. Now, the whole idea of a Bitcoin ETF is complete nonsense. There is no need for a Bitcoin ETF. I mean, there's a gold ETF. And you could say there was a need for it in that there were people that didn't want to buy gold, right? They didn't want to store it. They didn't want to deal with the actual metal. So they wanted to find an easier, a more convenient way to buy, particularly like in an IRA where you have to have a custodian, right? And so they came up with these ETFs. And so it was easier for people. Uh, To buy to buy gold, and of course the ETF itself has a storage fee. You have to pay to store your gold through an ETF because you know if you buy gold, you have to pay to store it. Either you store it yourself, you got to go buy a safe, or maybe you have a third party company that's going to charge you. Uh, So there was a reason. Although now I've talked a lot, and I'll talk again about gold money. Now that gold money offers free storage of your gold, if you have small quantities, then you know why? Why even buy an ETF and pay storage? When you could just go online to Gold Money and buy some gold and pay no storage and have a lot more liquidity. So I would say now, because you have a company like Gold Money, you have less reason, legitimate reason, to use a gold ETF. But before Gold Money came around, I could see a rationale for the ETF. I see no rationale for an ETF with Bitcoin. Because, first of all, anybody who wants to buy Bitcoin, just go buy it. You know, there's nothing to store. You don't have to take delivery, you don't have to find a safe. And storage is free. It doesn't cost anything to store your your Bitcoin. The irony of it is if you buy your Bitcoin through an ETF, there will be storage. You're going to have to pay storage to store something that has no actual physical substance that you could have stored for free, but now you're going to store it in an ETF. And then, of course, you're going to have to pay the commissions to buy and sell the ETF. So you're going to have higher costs. You're going to have higher storage fees. Why would anybody want to buy a Bitcoin ETF? If you want to buy Bitcoin, just go buy it. So I don't think that if they form a Bitcoin ETF, there's going to be all this extra demand for Bitcoins. It may be a big buy the rumor, sell the fact. But to the extent that they manage to hype this thing up, and to the extent that you do end up getting a bunch of people that buy into this ETF, eventually, it's going to cause the market to collapse. You know, if you remember what happened when we had the big decline in the gold price, one of the reasons we had that sharp correction from 1900 uh, you know, down to 1,100, and of course, the first two or three hundred dollar uh, drop, a lot of that was you know fueled by massive liquidation out of the ETFs. Well, when you had all this liquidation, who took the other side of the trade? Well, you had central banks that wanted to load up on gold, so they were big buyers. I mean, there are large real buyers of gold that will be willing to step up when the speculators are trying to get out at mass, right? They're going to look for the opportunity uh, to buy large quantities of gold at reasonable prices. They're there. You have real buyers waiting to buy pullbacks in gold. That will not exist in, in, in Bitcoin. I think that if you ever got mass liquidation out of this, uh, out of this ETF, I mean, Katie, bar the door. I mean, the market's going to implode if you thought it fell last time fast when it went from 1100 to 200 it could fall even faster when you have you know mass liquidation of an etf and they just have to hit the bid and there is no bid i mean you see i mean sometimes i've watched bitcoin just you know watch it drop 10 percent in 10 minutes or five minutes there's no etf selling there's just you know selling on the exchanges so ultimately i think the introduction of this etf will end up being a bad thing for the price of bitcoin i think bitcoin will collapse quicker as a result of forming this ETF. But the whole existence of it is indicative of just a speculation. It's being done to fuel the mania. I still think this is fool's gold. This is, uh, you know, uh, a tulip mania that there is no real reason to to, to own uh, a Bitcoin. But, you know, when I was reading a lot of these articles about it, they were actually talking about how, you know, Bitcoin can be used in commerce, that all these merchants are accepting Bitcoin and that you can buy a cup of coffee using your Bitcoin and that you can't do this with gold. And supposedly this is why Bitcoin is better than gold, because I can buy a cup of coffee with my Bitcoin and I can't buy a cup of coffee with my gold. Well, the irony of this is that they have it bass backwards. It's the reverse. You can't buy a cup of coffee with your Bitcoin, but you can or you will be with gold. And, and here's the reason. Right. You have all these merchants that accept uh, Bitcoin in theory, right? but most of them, the vast majority of them don't actually accept Bitcoin. They don't want Bitcoin. They want dollars or whatever currency they're they're selling in. But there is a company out there called BitPay and you know, we use them at Shift Gold. And what that means is if you go to a merchant and you want to buy a cup of coffee and you have Bitcoins, you can use BitPay and BitPay will uh, convert your Bitcoins to dollars. And then use your dollars to buy the cup of coffee. So the, the coffee merchant, he doesn't accept your Bitcoins. He accepts dollars. So it's the dollars that are the money, not the Bitcoin. The Bitcoin is just an asset that you liquidate to get money. And once you get the money, that you use the money to buy the cup of coffee. You don't use the Bitcoin to buy the cup of coffee. Now, is it possible that there's some real Bitcoin fanatic out there that runs a coffee shop That actually wants Bitcoins. He wants to hold them. And he's willing to accept the Bitcoin in exchange for a cup of coffee. Yeah, that's possible that that guy is out there. There may even be a couple of those, you know, wackos out there. But the majority of retailers who are selling coffee do not want to stock up on Bitcoins. Look, they can't pay their rent in Bitcoins. They can't pay their employees in Bitcoins. They can't buy their coffee in Bitcoins. They can't pay their sales taxes in Bitcoins. They all want dollars. But you know what? If one of their customers has a bunch of Bitcoins and they can just sign up to BitPay, and that means that customer can liquidate his asset efficiently, get some money and buy a cup of coffee, then they do it. But that does not mean that Bitcoin is a medium of exchange. It's not. It's not a medium of exchange. It is a speculative asset that people can liquidate and then use the proceeds to buy a cup of coffee. But you know what? You could do that with a lot of things. If you are a client of mine at Europe Pacific Capital and you have a brokerage account, we will send you a debit card that that is linked to your brokerage account, and you could take that debit card and you could buy a cup of coffee. Now, does that mean that you're using, you know, your your, your shares of uh, IBM? You know, not that we would be buying IBM, but just throwing it out there. But you're not using your shares of IBM. To buy a cup of coffee, no, you're, you're, you're either going to liquidate a share of IBM and then use the proceeds to buy some coffee, or you can actually utilize the the, the, the buying power. You can own your IBM in a margin account, and then when you use your debit card, you're, you'll are you have a little bit of a, of a balance in your margin account for that cup of coffee. Of course, they'll charge you a little bit of interest, but that doesn't mean you're using your stock as money, as a means of exchange. No, it's just an asset that is facilitating the acquisition of money. Because what's changing hands between buyer and seller is not Bitcoin or not stock. It is dollars. Now, of course, the same thing happens with gold money when you get a gold money debit card. If you have a gold money account and you go to a coffee shop and you whip out your debit card and you use that to buy the cup of coffee, the merchant is getting dollars. He is not getting your gold. In that case, gold is simply your asset that you are liquidating, right? and then you're using the proceeds to buy the cup of coffee. But here is what I think is ultimately going to happen with gold money, right? And it is gonna be that the coffee shop is going to accept direct payments in gold. They're actually going to want your gold. They're not gonna want you to use your debit card to buy the cup of coffee. They're gonna want you to pay for the coffee using your gold, where you actually transfer gold from your ownership to the bank to the coffee seller, in which case the gold is acting as the medium of exchange. That gold is what passes from buyer to seller. That is what's going to make it real money. You know, gold was money for thousands of years, right? We've only been using paper for a few decades, right? In fact, 1971 is when Nixon brought the world off the gold standard. Before that, all the paper money that we were using was backed by real gold. I mean, in fact, dollars. The dollar is a weight of gold. That's what it is. So and when you had the first Federal Reserve notes, it was an IOU for dollars. The dollars were made of gold, and they were held, you know, by the government or by the Fed and you know, as reserves. So we had real money. And of course, before we even had pay, you know, currency backed by gold. I mean, people carried around gold and, and and they used it. But we haven't been using gold as money since 1971. But during that time, it certainly has fulfilled its function as being a store of value because gold was about $35 an ounce in 1970. And now it's over $1,200 an ounce today. So it hasn't been functioning as a medium of exchange, but it certainly has stored a lot of value, right? But I think that's about to change because of gold money, right? Now, if you think about Uber, right? I mean, Uber is just a private car service, I mean, private car services have been around for as long as cars have been around. In fact, before cars were around, you probably had private buggy services. You could have called somebody, could have come up with a horse and carriage and and taken you somewhere, right? You call them up. But why all of a sudden are so many people using Uber, this private car service, when they weren't doing it before? It's the internet, the internet, the technology that we have today. Everybody walking around with a smartphone and the internet—that is what enabled uber to be so competitive against government-run taxi taxi monopolies and the free market is winning and a lot of people are voting with their feet or their hands in this case when they use their smartphone and they are calling ubers rather than flagging cabs well i think the same thing is going to happen with gold gold's been around for a long time but gold money hasn't gold money is new and what gold money does for gold is what uber did for a private car service it makes it easier to transact in gold right when you have gold money now you actually can buy the cup of coffee and the reason i think that eventually we'll all be buying coffee using gold is because the people who want to sell their coffee they're going to want to get paid in gold you know people a lot of people say to me hey peter you know why should i use gold money because you know why would i want to spend my gold right because gold is good money Gold's going to gain value why would i want to spend that I'm going to spend my my dollars. That's Gresham's law. Well, one reason people are going to use it is because it is more convenient. And for a lot of people who don't have bank accounts, uh, you know, using gold, using gold money is more convenient than using fiat money. And if all you have is gold money, if you decide to keep all your savings in gold and all your purchasing power in gold, which makes a lot of sense to me, then anything you buy, you would be paying with gold because that's all you have. Right. But, yes, I understand if you have most of your money in fiat and just a little bit in gold, then you're probably more inclined to use your gold. You're you're more inclined to use your fiat to the extent that it's more convenient. But what's really going to drive the the using of gold as a medium of exchange isn't going to be because the people who own it want to spend it. It's going to be because the people who don't have it want it. It's going to be because the merchants, the vendors who have goods and services to sell, they're going to want to get paid in gold. And that is what is going to be driving the commerce. You know, if you go and look at these countries where they have black markets, right, where you have a currency that the government is running into a ground, you'll have these hard money stores right that are underground that you know demand payment in another currency not the local currency but maybe dollars or 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 euros or you know whatever they're using right so you know maybe in the front of the store there's really nothing on display but maybe they have a room in the back where they'll take their good customers and there is a lot of merchandise but there if you want that merchandise you have to pay in hard currency you have to pay in dollars why because that's what the merchant wants because if you have Fiat currency that's losing value and you're selling stuff, it's risky to sell it for paper because now you've got to replace your inventory. But what if prices keep rising before you have a chance to do it, right? So it's very difficult. So you have these hard money stores. The same thing is going to happen, I think, around the world in gold. I mean, think about it. If you can be paid in gold, why would you want to be paid in anything else? I mean, what's the point? Especially if you're going to create a contract to be paid over time, right? I want to be paid in gold. How do you know what these other fiat currencies are going to be worth? Remember, it's not just America. I mean, Americans should be suspicious of the dollar, but they're not. They should be. But you have a lot of people all around the world who are rightly suspicious of their own currency, so why would they want to be paid in it? So it's ultimately going to be the merchant, because merchants can be paid in gold. It is possible to be paid in gold, to have your supply chain in gold, to pay your workers in gold, to pay your landlord in gold, because gold doesn't have that great a daily volatility the volatility is relatively low certainly relative to bitcoin and the long term store of value is clear right i know one thing for sure the price of gold in us currency or in euros or in yen or in every fiat currency the price of gold is going to go up there's no question that that's going to happen that is a fact what i don't know for sure is the exact trajectory I mean, it could go down a little before it goes up. It could go down a lot before it goes up a lot. But the one thing I know is that over time, the price of gold is going to go up, right? We don't know that about something like Bitcoin. The price can go to zero. There is no history there, right? I mean, if, you know, 3,000 years ago, a Roman, right, could have bought a toga and paid for it. For an ounce of gold, that's what they cost, right? A Roman toga, a nice one, was an ounce of gold. Well, you could buy a nice suit today for an ounce of gold. The relationship has held over the centuries. You know, this Brian Kelly telling me that that gold is just a rock. It's not just a rock. You know, if there's a Spanish ship that sunk, you know, you know, in, in the in the Caribbean somewhere 500 years ago, if you could find that ship, if there was any gold on that ship, it's still there. It's the only thing that's still valuable at the bottom of the ocean. You could take it back and and there it is you know so gold has properties i mean he said oh you know he said that brian tells oh gold is gold and bitcoin are worth the same no they're not gold has unique properties that make it valuable even if it's not going to be used as money it has all these unique properties but it actually is a better commodity to use as money than any other commodity i mean look people have used cattle as money right i mean i mean how, how convenient is that you know the indians use Wapum right? Uh, the, the GIs in World War II use cigarettes as money, right? the Romans, We talk about the Romans. The Romans use salt as money, right? That's where the word salary comes from. It's salt, right? But I mean, salt is not a good form of money. What happens if there's a big win? There goes all your money, right? I mean, so gold as a commodity is a much better form of money than anything else. That's why the market made it money. Bitcoin is not a commodity. Bitcoin is nothing. And so it can't be money. And I know people say, whoa, you got the blockchain. Yeah, the blockchain is not Bitcoin. There are plenty of other digital currencies that can can use the blockchain. And of course, Bitcoin is a digital currency backed by nothing. Why not have a digital currency backed by something? That's what gold money is, in effect. In fact, it's better than a digital currency. It's it's digital gold. I mean, it's actual gold that can be digitized for transport. It's like in the olden days. If you took your gold to a a blacksmith and he gave you a warehouse receipt, that warehouse receipt could circulate in the community as a substitute for the actual gold because nobody wanted to go to the warehouse, to the blacksmith, and and grab the gold. When you buy your gold at gold money and it's being stored there, uh, nobody actually has to go to Brinks and pick up the gold, although anybody can if they want to have it delivered, but it's much easier to transport your digital ownership. It's like you own real gold in a digital wallet and you can spend it effortlessly. You can use it to buy goods and services anywhere in the world. More importantly, you can demand to be paid for your goods and services and be paid in gold. And again, it's the the desire to have gold. It's desire when you're partying. See, when you're the seller, you are giving up valuable things. You're giving up your products, you're giving up your labor and you want to be paid with something of value. And so you want to be paid in gold. And that is what ultimately is going to take gold money to a whole new level. It's people understanding that they can be paid in gold. They can be paid in something that is reliable in value, that is a store of value. And this is going to be a game changer. So the same technology that gave birth to Bitcoin is what's going to ultimately be its demise. Because the fact that now gold can have all the properties that supposedly made Bitcoin uh, desirable, now they're going to be obsolete. So let me conclude this podcast by making a plug for Gold Money. Now, if you don't already have a Gold Money account, open one up. Just go to goldmoney.com. In fact, I'll put my link uh, on the description of this YouTube video. You know, by the way, once you open up a Gold Money account, you can refer your friends And get paid. Right. You get a little free gold when you first get started. But as you refer people, they can get a little free gold and then you can get a little free gold for yourself. So by helping to spread the word, by helping to get more people out of the fiat system, out of the government controlled banking system into a free market gold standard that is not being uh, created by the government, but created by the people right? The people's money. And it was the people that made gold money in the first place. It was the government that tried to lead us astray, uh, you know, with the promises of instant wealth through fiat money. And that has led to our demise. We can reclaim our monetary freedom, which is the first step in reclaiming all of our freedom and restraining government. So while you are hoping to spread the word and while you are accumulating gold, you're actually getting paid for your good deeds. So go to goldmoney.com Use my link, which means I'll get a a couple of bucks when you sign up using my link, right? Uh, And then open up an account. Just go online, buy yourself a little bit of gold or a lot of gold. Take advantage of this pullback. It's a good time to buy, right? We just got this pullback, so buy yourself some gold. They'll give you a free debit card, right? Order it. Come in the mail. You get a free debit card. But what we really want to do, we don't want to be using a debit card, You know, we want merchants. In fact, when you go to your favorite merchant, when you go to your favorite restaurant, when you go to a store that you frequent a lot, tell them about gold money. Let them know that it's out there. Let them know that they can be paid in gold, that that option exists, right? Show them about gold money. And eventually this thing is going to spread like wildfire. But make sure you start today if you don't already have an account. And if you do have an account and you haven't been helping to promote it, if you haven't been spreading the word, do it, right? We've got social media. This is really, I think, a more important vote than voting in the presidential election. This can do more to restore freedom, not only in America, but around the world. We take power away from government when we no longer need their money. And once enough people are refusing to accept government money, then government money doesn't buy anything. And that is the source of their power because they're creating the money that everybody wants. But if nobody wants it because the free market gives them a better alternative, which is gold, a convenient way to earn and save and spend gold well, we, we cut the government out at the knees. You know, just like Uber is upending the taxicab industry, gold money is going to upend the government monopoly on the medium of exchange.
1: Today's financial advisors behave like pro wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800-727-7922. That's 800-727-7922. Non-U.S. residents access similar strategies through Europacific Bank at europacbank.com. Pacific Capital and Pacific Bank are affiliated companies.
0: Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and long before foreign governments were buying gold, I urged my clients to put 5 to 10% of their portfolios into physical precious metals.